This is EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg, Executive Director of EdSource. I'm here with John Fensterwald to talk about what happened this week in California education. Good to be here, Lewis. I saw and I imagine you saw that Education Week did a survey of states as to which states are administering the Smarter Balanced Test, which states are administering the Park Test. One of the things that kind of jumped out at me was that a number of states are, an increasing number, are administering the SAT or the ACT as their high school exam. That's in lieu of the 11th grade uh, standardized tests. You've been tracking this issue. Uh, well, what's, what's happening in California on that front? Well, California, of course, is one of the, is the big state in the Smarter Balance Consortium. And so we, we uh, had a big role in, in having the uh, 11th grade test designed the way it is. So for now, California continues to give, in, to give the 11th Bay test, but there is a, a bit of a movement among districts that they would like to substitute the SAT for the 11th grade test. And, and so Long Beach is taking the lead now and will be asking the state board for a waiver so that it doesn't have to give the uh, Smarter Balance 11th grade test. It can only give it would only give the SAT to all of its students. Test. What do you think the state board is likely to do? Well, the state has really invested a lot in Smarter Balanced, and uh, I think that, I don't know what it's going to do. It may be interested enough because more and more states are going to drop out of either Smarter Balanced or Park, which is the other test, and come up with something else. And I think the trend now is to do SAT or ACT. So I think probably in the long run, it it may be required, forced to do that, but in, in the short run, I think what it wants to know is, are there peer-reviewed, are there independent analysis of a SAT to see whether they are aligned with the Common Core Standards, because that's what SBAC is. It's a test of the Smarter Balance of the uh, Common Core Standards, and they're also concerned about whether or not there are suitable accommodations for students with disabilities. These are the two issues that it that was raised last year when, when there was rumored that uh, that Long Beach would request it. Now it has. It's just a year later. So, Lewis, I was interested. Uh, I noticed in, that you wrote about uh, Betsy DeVos. You know what? What in her first week? What was she up to? And and. What does it signify, if anything, about uh, directions she might take as Secretary of Education? Well, uh, it's actually a second week. She had a few days last week. This is a, has been a first full week on the job. And it's true, after being the center of attention for quite, seemed like forever before her confirmation, she kind of dropped off the map, except for education insiders who follow this sort of thing. But uh, let's say this week was a better week than last week. Uh, last Friday, she couldn't get into the school. And near, near the Department of Education, there were protests, and she was eventually able to get in, I think, through another door. But... Um, that was uh, was not a, not an auspicious start. Uh, as far as we know, there were no protests this week. Um, but she did go to the White House. Uh, they had a listening session with about uh, the president and vice president, uh, with about ten people, um, supposedly representative of Cal the the education landscape. Uh, but uh, basically, there were only two out of the ten people at the meeting there at this roundtable discussion. 
uh, representing uh, public schools. A couple of people were from home schools, a couple of people were from charter schools, uh, or maybe maybe more than that, actually. Um, And so um, that discussion, um, they didn't release a transcript of the the discussion. That hasn't been leaked yet. Maybe we'll, we'll see it one of these days. The president did start off by introducing her, praising her to high heavens and saying she had had a very unfair trial. In this, in the Senate, but uh, all that is behind us now. Of course, she has subsequently, in a, and I'd say a more subtle way, retained her focus on this whole school choice. I, on Wednesday, she gave a talk to the Magnet School Association of America, and uh, Magnet Schools is one of the one of the uh, types of schools that, uh, at least nominally. Uh, both the president and DeVos have included in their array of school choices that uh, parents should get. Although, of course, the major focus has been on vouchers for private schools and charter schools. But she did uh, very much praise magnet schools and said there were provisions of the Every Student Succeeds Act that should help magnet schools. Well, you know, there there are just as many, I I believe, as many magnet schools as charter schools in America, but they they haven't gotten the attention that charters have. Any particular reason for that, Lewis? They're in, you know, they're they're programs within schools. And actually, there there are fewer magnet schools. Uh, Magnet schools, on the whole, tend to be smaller than charter schools. There's about um, 2.6 million children in... in, uh, Magnet schools and about six million in charter schools, and in California there are about about the same number of magnet schools, but actually no, in California there's there's fewer magnet schools than charter schools, but the enrollments are about the same. But this has not been a major area of growth, and we just have to see if magnet schools emerge as a choice that this administration will promote going forward. Did she say anything in any other interviews that she had this week? Well, she did find time to go and talk to a couple of uh, conservative commentators and talk show hosts. Um, she did uh, talk to um, this one uh, talk show host, Frank Beckman, and said she basically said that, didn't basically, this is what she said, she said that every student succeeds act essentially does away with the notion of the common core, which of course it doesn't really, um, but uh, that was, that's kind of her interpretation. Uh, because she did cite this provision of uh, the Every Student Succeeds Act that states are encouraged to set forth their own levels of achievement, expectations, and so on. So uh, um, I guess <laughs> the secretary is under the impression that uh, Common Core is the thing last. Um, she did very much, however, say that if there's going to be a school choice program, that this would have to be a state-adopted program, more or less implying that they're not going to be forcing this on states. And this is consistent with some of the things that she's talked about in the past. I guess that's reassuring for California, which certainly voters and uh, legislators aren't inter- don't appear interested in, in private school vouchers, particularly for, and it can't do it for religious uh, schools under the state constitution anyway, right? Exactly. Now, John, I wanted to ask you, because one of the things she talked about, uh, or she mentioned, were the, uh, the regs, the regulations to implement Every Student Succeeds Act, that uh, the House, I guess, has rescinded the regulations, 
And uh, where where does that stand? And and uh, how is how would it California if these regs actually didn't go into effect? It looks like the Senate will go along, and also they can rescind these regs. They were just adopted last fall. It was a compromise between Republicans and Democrats and some of the uh, the uh, advocacy groups for civil rights. And so, but nonetheless. There are a lot of uh, govern- the Governors Association and School Boards Association nationally believe they're too burdensome and Republicans are happy to go along. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I don't think it will have much effect on California because uh, the state board has been designing its state plan under the Every Student Succeeds Act based on the law and not the regulations because they had a feeling that perhaps these regs would be changed or rescinded. Uh, I think that there is fear in among the civil rights community that, is that the regs did um, sort of push the states to pay attention to equity issues and also rigorously uh, look at achievement among among uh, subgroups of students, uh, poor poor kids and English learners. And and although the law requires that as well, the regs went further. So in California, we you know we have a commitment to equity and at all levels of the pretty much at the state board and also for the legislature. Um, so it will uh, put a burden on states to pay attention. And there are a lot of folks that are worried, maybe perhaps outside of California, that that states won't do this. I think so. We'll see what happens. And particularly now, I think the focus shifts to to Sacramento and what the state plan will look like. I think if the regs are are rescinded, it will give California, particularly the state board that's designing the state plan, more flexibility to pretty much do what it wants within the confines of the law. Sure. Um, so, Lewis, one of the interesting stories of the week was a survey of of childcare costs that uh, that EdSource did this poll, and I found it fascinating. Uh, give a couple highlights, if you will. Why is it important? Well, uh, interestingly enough, as as you may recall, John, maybe you don't, because this has kind of gotten buried. Uh, the issue of childcare costs did come up in the campaign. This was a major issue uh, that Hillary Clinton raised, and then uh, Ivanka Trump jumped in on this issue, you, you may recall, on, on, and when she presented her father's name for the nomination at the Republican convention. And, I do. And so the president actually put forward a plan that's supposed to address uh, child care costs, came under some criticism. We haven't heard anything about that plan, but who knows whether we will. But uh, the issue is still very much on the table. I mean, what we found, we surveyed parents with young children in California. The poll like this has never really been done before. And we found that parents really have to make very difficult trade-offs about work, family life, and the kinds of programs they choose because of the cost of the programs. We found that nearly half of families with young children under the age of six say that a parent, one of the parents, left the job market to address uh, childcare needs. We found that 70% of parents spend more than 10% of their incomes, and about a third pay more than $1,000 a month for childcare, and quite a few of those pay more than $2,000 a month. And really, these costs have a major, major impact on one, whether to work, <laughs> also, it plays into whether you decide to have additional children. 
It also makes it very difficult to save. We found that only one third of parents said they were always or very often able to save money after they cover their living expenses every month. So this is an area that is an ongoing issue and is not, has not really been adequately addressed. Yeah, young parents face terrible choices in terms of uh, options and at the same time they're trying to take care of a young children. They're facing pressures at work. They're pay pressures with housing and and pressures just to find a place to take care of their children. It's uh, any any chance that the state might uh, address this issue, Lewis? And not in the short term. I think people are waiting till after Governor Brown leaves office. Uh, in fact, in this year's next year's budget, the governor is proposing kind of holding the line on expanding subsidized uh, childcare slots. They were supposed to add three thousand more slots next year. They will eventually. They just pushed it back one year. But the, the implementation of these, this expansion, which the legislature agreed to last year, is going to be implemented at a slower pace. And that's, uh, you know, I think childcare advocates really see that as, as uh, going kind of in the wrong. John, I think uh, we've covered the major issues of the week. I uh, look forward to talking to you next week. You've been listening to This Week in California Education. I'm Lewis Friedberg with John Finsterwald. Thanks for listening.